welcome to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. Join us this Sunday at 1225 Chestnut Drive in High Point. Visit us on the web at wesleymemorial.org. Now here is this week's message. The Gospel of Matthew. Our text for the morning is found in Matthew 24. If you're using a pew Bible, it is found in the New Testament on page 27. Our text for the morning is Matthew 24, verses 36 through 44. We are beginning a sermon series today for the Advent season. We're talking about surviving the holidays in the midst of all of our busyness, in the midst of our activities, in the midst of what can be a very stressful time of the year. We're going to help each other stay focused. And we're going to allow Advent to be what God wants Advent to be. And that is a time of reflection. That is a time of spiritual growth in anticipation of the coming of the gift of Christmas. During the Advent season, the church looks back to the first Advent of Jesus Christ in human history. And we also look ahead to the second Advent of Jesus Christ in human history. During the Advent season, we remind ourselves that our God is a God that intervenes, a God that interferes, not just in human history, but in our lives. So our text this morning is one of those texts where Jesus is talking about his return to this earth. Jesus is talking about the consummation of the age, the wrapping up of history. Jesus is talking about that day when God's will will be done here on this earth completely and perfectly, just as it is being done right now in heaven. So as Jesus is speaking about that day, this is what he said, beginning at verse 36 of the 24th chapter of Matthew. But about that day and hour, Jesus says, no one knows. Neither the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Hmm. I listen to some TV preachers who seem to think they know. But Jesus said, about that day and hour, no one knows, not even himself. The earthly Jesus doing ministry here on this earth. Verse 37, for as in the days of Noah were... So will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus is saying here that that day, that age that will see the return of the Son of Man will seem like any other age to the bulk of the human family, just like that period before the rain began to fall and the people got on the ark that followed Noah on the ark. Everyone thought it was just another day like any other day, and Jesus is saying that will be the kind of day when he returns. He continues in verse 40. On that day, two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, 
for you do not know on, on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, Jesus concludes, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. We look back at the first advent, we look ahead to the second advent, and in doing that we acknowledge that here we are in the in-between time. Here we are in the meantime between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. And this text that I read for you a few moments ago, Jesus tells us that we shouldn't just spend all of our time thinking about when that second coming will occur, but instead we focus on how then should we live today? How then should we live in such a way that we are ready for the end to come at any moment, whether it is the wrapping up of human history and this world be, being made into a new creation, or just the end of our lives, the end of our journey here on this earth? How then should we live as we begin the season of Advent, I want to offer two thoughts to you as we think about our journey through this very, very busy season of the year. When I read this text, I'm mindful that the first thing we need to consider is to respect God's timing. Here in the text before you, Jesus says, that the time will come whenever God desires for the time to come, the time of the end. And we need to remember, and we acknowledge this in so many different ways, because we know this in so many different ways, God's timing is different from our timing. Here we have been now 2,000 years waiting, waiting for the return of Christ in the consummation climax of history, when the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdom of our God and his Christ, and we wait, and we wait, and we wait. As Christ's followers, we should realize that we are a people in waiting. As Christ's followers, we are the people here on planet Earth that should teach others the art of patience. When I look at the Bible, I don't really see except one place where God ever told his people to hurry. And that was to get out of Egypt as slaves in Egypt. He told them to hurry and to leave in haste. But what I do see over and over and over in Scripture is God saying to us in different ways, particularly through the psalmist, that we need to learn how to wait upon the Lord. Wait for God's timing. Respect God's timing. You know, we should be those people that could teach the rest of the world about patience, but I'm not sure that's who we are most of the time. I know I struggle with patience. How many of you enjoy a really long wait? Probably not many of you. And I, I'm a recovering control freak. And those of us that are control freaks, we have a hard time waiting 
because we like to be in control of how our time is being spent. Therefore, we really have a hard time with anything, anybody telling us that we have to wait. So how are you with patience? You know, during the time of waiting, we should take that as a time to learn patience. You know, God gives us many opportunities to learn patience. And I remember the Lord speaking to me very distinctly a couple decades ago now when I was so, so frustrated standing in line at a K&W cafeteria, something I don't enjoy doing. And the Lord spoke to me and said, when you are impatient, you are saying to me, that the moment in which you find yourself, that moment in which you're in, has no value. Well, you know, I want to argue with God. I can about argue with God that standing in line at the K&W has no value. But as soon as I say that, I know God's perspective. And I know that from God's perspective, every moment of our lives has value. Because in every moment of our lives, even standing in line at a K&W cafeteria, God is at work. God is at work around us. God is at work in us. And that's why we can never say that there's any moment in life that is useless. Even in the midst of our worst waiting, God is at work. And we have to believe that. Jesus one time says in the Gospel of John, my Father is always at work. Sometimes we think God's not at work if we're not controlling things, if we're not at work. But even if we're not in a situation where we can control things, we can still acknowledge that God is at work around us. We need to remember that, that waiting times are not wasted times. Sometimes that's the way I think. If I'm being forced to wait, then it is a waste of time. But I know better spiritually. I know that even, even in waiting times, God is at work. Those can be valuable times in our lives because we can learn patience. And we also can learn what it is we can do in those times of waiting. Because waiting times are not wasted times. Even in the midst of the most frustrating wait, there's still things we can do that God calls us to do. Even when I can't control my waiting, some external force is making me wait, I still know that I can work on me. I know that I can work on me, I can work on my patience, I can work on my ability to wait. I know that in those times when life is not happening according to my schedule, that I can take those times to allow God to do a new work in me. You know, I can pray. I can seek the face of God. I can allow the Holy Spirit to have more of my life. I can work on loving the people around me. There's a great number of things we can do as we wait, but sometimes we just get focused on being made to wait. As the people of Jesus, we are a people in waiting. After the first advent, we are still yet here 2,000 years later waiting for the second advent of Jesus. But we also, those people in the world that says, 
a time of waiting can be a time of great spiritual growth for us. So we need to respect God's timing. Even when we can't control what's going on in the moment, we can respect God's timing. And as I've heard said many times, God is never early, God is never late, God is always right on time. So as we wait for God to move, as we wait for a breakthrough, as we wait to get to that next stage in our lives, we can rest assured that God is at work in our lives. And that leads me to the second thing I think we need to remember as we think about being the people between the advents, being the people here in the meantime. As we learn to wait and watch what God is doing in us as we wait, that can also be a period when we learn, learn perhaps even better how to rest in God's faithfulness. As the people of Jesus in the world we are called to be a people of trust. Sometimes it's easy for me just to work things out the way I want to work things out and be in control of what's going on around me than trust God to work things out. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalm 125 verse 1 where the psalmist assures us that those who trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion who shall not be moved. Now, of course, Mount Zion is that hill upon which Jerusalem is built. And now for thousands of years, we've watched Jerusalem sit atop that hill. And Jerusalem has changed many, many, many times in many different ways. But Mount Zion has not changed. That mountain upon which Jerusalem is built is still there, still the same. Those that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, we need to remind ourselves that we have no security apart from our security in God through Jesus Christ. And that's where we need to seek our security is in God. So that's one of my favorite verses from Psalm 125. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is a chapter I suspect you have not read recently. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Most of you probably don't hang out very much in 2 Chronicles in the Old Testament. There's some amazing stories in the Old Testament, particularly 2 Chronicles chapter 20. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we read the story of King Jehoshaphat. I like reading the story of King Jehoshaphat because I just like saying Jehoshaphat. We don't name our children names like that anymore. Jehoshaphat, don't you like that name? King Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, the southern kingdom. And King Jehoshaphat of Judah knew that there were three armies, three peoples coming against him from Edom to the south. And King Jehoshaphat was panicking. King Jehoshaphat prayed. It's a wonderful prayer. You'll find it there in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And at the end of King Jehoshaphat's prayer... King Jehoshaphat says something that, that has always been very important to me. At the end of his prayer, he says, We do not know what to do, God, but our eyes are on you. You ever felt like that? You don't know what to do. Maybe that's the point at which you should say to God, but my eyes are on you. 
After King Jehoshaphat prayed that prayer in 2 Chronicles 20, uh, the prophet Jehaziel stood up and prophesied to King Jehoshaphat. And after Jehaziel spent a little time talking about how God would see them through this dire situation in their lives, Jehaziel ends his prophecy to Jehoshaphat and to those gathered around him with these words, Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at that great horde that's coming against you, for the battle is not yours but God's. Again, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life that not only did I need to say to myself, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. But I've also said in those moments of my life, God, the battle is not mine, it's yours. Sometimes we just have to rest in God's faithfulness, rest in what God is doing, because we really can't control a lot of life. We delude ourselves sometimes with the illusion that we can control everything, but there's really much of life we can't control. We really can't control other people most of the time. And I'll let you know something. We really can't even control our children most of the time. So we have to say, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. The battle's not mine. The battle is the Lord's. There are times in life we just need to look at the dire situation around us and say, God's got this. I trust that God's got this. I don't seem to be able to do much about it, but I can trust that God's got this. And we can rest in the faithfulness of God. You know the difference between worry and appropriate concern? Jesus says don't worry. Jesus actually gives us a commandment to not worry. Don't be anxious, he says in Matthew chapter 6. That's a commandment. We ignore that commandment a lot of times and just enjoy a really good worry. But Jesus says, don't worry, don't be anxious. So what's the difference between worry and appropriate concern? Well, for me, the difference between worry and appropriate concern rests with the question, is there anything I can do about it? If there's something I can do about it to affect a positive outcome, then God would want me to do that. But if it's a situation or a person and I can't do anything about it, then I just need to walk away from the worry. Because worry accomplishes nothing, but it will steal our energy, it will steal our joy. Appropriate concern is when I can do something about it. It's like when I get on an airplane. I really don't worry about being on an airplane because I know I can't fly that airplane. I can't do anything about it. So I really don't find myself worrying when I'm on an airplane. So there's a difference between worry and appropriate concern. We need to hang out in the realm of appropriate concern and do what we can do to affect a positive outcome. But worry, we need to learn how to walk away from it. So church, we need to take the Advent season to learn better how to respect God's timing. God's never early, God's never late, God's always right on time. And we need to learn how to better rest in God's faithfulness. Hope you have a wonderful Advent.